God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. All right, guys, welcome back to Recovery Addicts. We're going to dive back into Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, And in this chapter, chapter four, we're getting into we agnostics. Um, So just to start with what is an agnostic, an agnostic is somebody that is unsure of God. Um, An atheist is a, a believer. You know, an atheist believes there is no God. I guess sure in his beliefs, you know, thinks he has proof or, you know, has concrete thinking that God is not real and uh, it's hard to prove him different. Whereas an agnostic is just unsure. Like he thinks that there, you know, is a power out there, but he doesn't know what it is. You know, that concept it's kind of wishy-washy, you know, some people might be the universe. Um, they're just unsure, you know, that they believe in, in a power greater than themselves, but they're not, they don't know what it is. You know, they don't know. That's what the key word there is gnosis, which is knowledge and ag is not. So not knowing, we don't know what God is or who he is. So we're going to go through this chapter and, uh, you know, try to clear some things up and, uh, and try to come to believe, you know, try to come to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, you know, try to make that decision and, you know, come to the point where we allow God into our lives and into our hearts and, uh, you know, get the power because in our own lives and our own minds and our own thinking like we don't have the power to get and stay sober we are completely powerless so we need to gain we need to gain that power from god god has all power and so when we reach out to him when we surrender to him in our lives when we open our hearts to him we allow that power to come into our lives to work in us and through us and you know our lives change like immediately and uh, substantially. You know, we go from hopeless and just miserable people to people that have peace and serenity. You know, I know for myself when I when I made that decision to get sober and you know was ready and was willing. Um, when I asked God to come into my life and just like surrendered to him the outcome of everything you know gave up all expectations of the outcomes um, just put complete faith in him and put faith in this program I immediately gained peace because it was no longer on me you know like I gave that control over to the one that has power you know I gave you know the the steering wheel away like I no longer need to try to control everything I no longer need to force things in my life you know I I just need to do what I can do right I need to work hard and trust God I need to hold up my end of the deal and give the outcomes over to God give the 
you know, the, the expectations over to God. Control the controllables. That's why we say the serenity prayer. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That is all about giving that over to God, you know, doing what we can and giving the rest to God. So if you are agnostic, this is a great chapter for you. Like this chapter is for you. Um, so we'll just dive into it here. In the preceding chapters, you have learned something of alcoholism. We hope you have made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. If, when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably alcoholic. If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. And so that's what we've been talking about in the previous chapters is like, who is an alcoholic? What constitutes that? And these are basically the, the opening questions I start with anybody that thinks that they might have an alcohol problem or thinks that they might be an alcoholic. It's like when you, when you try to stop, can you stop? Like quit entirely? Can you go cold turkey and quit and not pick it back up? And when you do drink, are you able to control how much you drink? Or when you start, can you not stop drinking? And if you are an alcoholic, then only a spiritual experience will change you. Like you have to have a complete psychic change. You have to have a spiritual awakening. You, you have to gain the power to do it through God, through having a power greater than yourself heal you and like work in your mind and work in your body and, and perform that healing. And like, when I say work on your mind, like give you that willingness, give you that power, give you that faith to allow these steps to work on you. Because if you're closed minded, you're just not going to get very far. You know, if, if you're so set in your ideas and ideologies about God and about your capabilities and like you think that you're in control still or that uh whatever there's any type of outside circumstances that are holding you back you know your job your wife friend group your uh, environment the government whatever it may be you have to let go of all these old ideas you know and just like start anew give yourself a blank page to start to rewrite your your foundation you know your founding beliefs and ideas of who you are of, of our existence what we're doing here what god is what you know what are we even doing here on earth how did i get here what is the purpose of all of this how can i make my life worth something and just have an open mind and be willing to seek it out seek the truth to the one who feels he is atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. But to continue as he is means disaster, especially if he is an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. And that's it. It's like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to continue to have a closed mind and like, 
all you're going to do is continue to get the same results, right? Like if you're not willing to have an open mind and an open heart and like, if you're not willing to give God a chance, you're not going to give this program a chance either. Like, because this is a spiritual program. So, you know, like if you're, if you're so set in your, in your ways and, and closed minded to God and closed minded to outside help, whatever it is, like if nothing changes, nothing changes, right? You cannot continue to do the same things and expect a different result. Like that's the definition of insanity. So, it all starts with that open-mindedness. It all starts with that willingness. Like we go on to the bitter ends in this disease, you know, like jails, institutions, and death. That's where we go. That's where we always go. And it's a, it's a brutal journey there. So if you're not willing to open your mind and open your heart and, and allow God into your life, like that's where you're headed. You're doomed to an alcoholic death. But it isn't so difficult. About half our original fellowship were of exactly that type. At first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Perhaps it's going to be that way with you. But cheer up. Something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. If a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. But we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us. No matter how much we tried, we wish we could be moral. We wish we could be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. Our human resources as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. Lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. But where and how were we to find this power? We can't think our way out of this disease. You know, we can't... We can't come up with some philosophy. We can't, like, this is the philosophy. God is the philosophy. Like, having a spiritual experience and, you know, that is how we do it. Like, we're not going to think our way into better acting. You know, we have to act our way into better thinking, right? We have to become different. Things have to change in order for things to change. And our own intellect will not get us there. You know, you could read these, you can memorize this freaking book. You can memorize NA, you can memorize the Bible front to back. But if you don't apply it practically in your life, it's not going to get you anywhere. You know, you're going to have a, a head full of AA and a belly full of alcohol. You know, you have to do the work suggested and like implement these habits in your life and, uh, you know, take suggestions from people that have overcome this disease. So we have to let go of prior ideas. You know, a lot of us come into 
recovery with like trauma from religion you know some of us grow up in in churches and uh you know have a bad experience and we have to you know like i said just just start with a blank page and and uh and give this thing a chance because you know if you're a real alcoholic like your life depends on it you know there's no escaping like you have to be willing to do whatever it takes and whatever it takes means having an open mind and giving god a chance or giving a higher power a chance to work in your life and and to show himself to others the word god brought up a particular idea of him with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood perhaps perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate with that rejection we imagined we had abandoned the the god idea entirely we were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak even cowardly we looked upon this world of warring individuals warring theological systems and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism we looked askance at many individuals who claimed to be godly how could a supreme being have anything to do with it all and how could and who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow Yet in other moments, we found ourselves thinking, when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made all of this? There was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. And that's a pretty common like, thought process. Like, There's so much calamity and war and violence and evil in the world. And, you know, things happen that don't make sense to us and, you know, brutal things, you know, um, the most horrendous things you could ever imagine happen and have happened and are happening right now. And uh, how could God allow this? You know, if there was a God, a loving, benevolent God, he wouldn't allow this, right? But it's not that he's allowing it as much as we're doing it. You know, we're doing it to ourselves. We have free will and we have the power to choose and we have the power to act. And uh, and for me, the way that I came to terms with it is that I don't know. Like I'm agnostic as to what is going on. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't need to know. All I know is that I have faith in God and that all things work for good in the end. Like no matter, no matter what is happening, I don't need to understand why. I just need to have the faith that God knows why and that there is a purpose. And my puny little brain is incompetent to comprehend all the truths of the universe like i can't even there's so many different things i can't comprehend like so much of the sciences that are known today are are way above my head you know with string theory and like all the different laws of physics that we've found out trying to explain those things and and like understand those takes a lot you know it takes a lot of brain power (laughs) 
to comprehend. And I don't need to understand it all. Having faith in God is all I need to have, that he is in control and that all things will eventually work for good, you know, and that the things that are that are taking place that are evil, <clears throat> like God has a plan for those people too. You know, God has a specific place for those people and vengeance is his, you know, and that one is hard for me because I want vengeance to be mine. You know, I want to be the freaking righteous hammer of God, you know, and I'm not even here to tell you that I'm above it. You know, there's, there's certain morals and principles that I stand on as a man and as a father that like, I'll take it up with God later. You know, um, you cross certain lines with me and my family and I'm willing to, you know, burn down the earth and, and, uh, and find you and, and, you know, pull you apart. And that's just my truth. And that doesn't have to be everybody's truth. But the point is, is I don't know why everything happens the way that it happens, but knowing that God has a plan for it and that God is in control gives me the faith and just knowing that I don't have to know, you know, I just need to do what I can do, control what I can control and give the rest to God. And the other part of that was, you know, we found ourselves thinking when enchanted by a starlit night, like who then made all of this, that feeling of awe and wonder. Like you go spend some time in the woods and lay on your back, you know, at elevation and, and look up in the night and like see the stars that are unpolluted by, you know, street lights. It is unbelievable, you know, just walking through, you know, the Sierra Nevadas and like, especially this time of year when there's a light dusting of snow and the rivers and the forest. And like, it is just so unbelievably beautiful and it's clearly creatively designed and the way that everything works together in symbiosis and all the perfection of life and all the imperfection of life. And, you know, the way that things happen, the seasons, the tilt of the earth, like it's all just so perfect and in order that it has to be creatively designed. Like if you're a parent, then it's it's quite obvious that uh, that there's miracles, like the miracle of childbirth and conception and pregnancy, and then they come out and attach to their mom's nipple, and it's just it's mind blowing. So like to deny the existence of God is just to me is just like. Uh, blatantly ignorant like open your eyes bro like can't you see what's going on oh you believe in science well uh let's look at some of these sciences like all the perfection of all the sciences all the great science brains in the world all are just in awe of what's going on and really can't explain it you know they don't know how all these laws came together they just are able to identify them and explain them to a certain degree. But, you know, even Einstein and like some of the great physicists, you know, give a nod to God. Like it's obviously creatively designed. Like it's all in order. It's all perfect. And to deny the existence of intelligence in the universe is just blatantly ignorant. 
Yes, we of agnostic, agnostic temperament have had these thoughts and experiences. Let us make haste to reassure you. We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results. Even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. And that's it. Like, all you got to do, all you got to do is crack that door open. Like, just, just have the willingness to believe. Like, I want to believe, right? Like, show me you're real, you know? And that's what I tell a lot of guys that are in this boat is like, ask God to reveal himself to you. Like, pray to God to show himself to you every day. Like, it develops a habit of prayer, first of all, like reaching out and making that connection and then ask God to show himself to you to reveal himself to you and then pay attention, you know, meditate, like pay attention to the world around you, pay attention to your interactions, pay attention to your surroundings, pay attention to the feelings you have inside about things, pay attention to how you feel when you read spiritual literature or recovery literature, pay attention to the words other people are speaking because that's how God speaks to us, through other people, through literature, through signs in the outside world, through nature, uh, through personal feelings, through our own thoughts in our head, um, all these ways. So just crack that door open and have the willingness. Much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact with him. And that's the that's the beauty of this program is like we're just talking about a higher power, you know. We're, my God, Jesus Christ doesn't have to be your God, you know. We're just looking to get a higher power here. We're trying to to open the door, you know. We're trying to allow a higher power into our lives. Like this is. This is the first step here. Like, first step on your spiritual journey is like allowing, like, just having the willingness to believe there's a higher power. You know, just allowing that thought to ruminate and to develop, you know, and then asking that higher power to come into your life, you know, and uh, coming to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, you know? And I didn't grow up in a religious household. Um, My father was spiritual, but, you know, we didn't practice any kind of religion or spirituality in the house. So it was through my own seeking, you know, that I found God. And and a lot of it was through this program. And, and, uh, you know, for me through seeking a higher power, finding a higher power, calling him God, continuing to seek, looking at different religions, different theologies. Like I've read a lot of different stuff and I've gotten a lot out of all of it, you know? Um, But for me as, you know, an American male in these days and age, like all roads for me lead to Christ. Like it's just my own truth. Personally, the more that I've, 
you know, studied and sought out a higher power, the more I've studied religion, the closer I've gotten to Christ, and and the more that I've followed Christ, the better my life has gotten. Um, but that doesn't have to be your truth, and that's the beauty of this program is we we don't condemn anybody for their beliefs. We don't judge anybody. Like, come as you are, you know. It doesn't matter how messed up you are. If you're freaking brutally atheist and hate everyone, it doesn't matter. Like, if you want to be clean and you're willing to do whatever it takes to get sober, come on in, bro. Like, let's talk, let's sit down, and let's give this thing a chance. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying a totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction. Provided we took other simple steps, we found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. Just open the door. And that's what it, you know, that's what it's all about. Like open the door and allow God to come in. Like have the willingness. Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there's a power greater than myself? As soon as a man can say he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he is on his way. It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. Just having that willingness, you know, just allowing the thought that God can help us, you know, is enough. Like, just be willing, be open-minded, right? And give it a chance, you know, because the alternatives are death, like, and misery. Like, that's where your best ha- your best thinking has gotten you, is to this place of desperation, right? Like, hopeless just incomprehensible demoralization like that's where my best thinking got me that's where my actions got me like and that and i had like a belief in god so that's that's where my you know selfish and and self-seeking behavior got me like if you if you are atheist or agnostic and that way like you're you're double fucked you know so knowing that like we come to a place you know we call it the gift of desperation like we're at the last house on the block you know like if this doesn't work i'm gonna die you know and that's where i was you know i was out there committing major crime and just destroying my body and uh I was going to spend a lot of time in prison or I was going to get sober or I was going to die. Like that was it. That was it for me. So if you're at that place where this is it, 
get sober or die, then you have to make hard choices, you know, and you have to be willing to do whatever it takes. And if you're an atheist or an agnostic, that willingness better show up as a willingness to allow a higher power into your life. Um, Because it's the only thing that's going to save you. Faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a tedious process. We hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. And that's the thing. It's like... We have to drop the prejudice. Like like I was saying in the beginning, a lot of us have negative feelings towards religion. A lot of us have uh, bad spiritual experiences through our family, uh, forced religion. It uh, doesn't matter what branch or anything. Like There's bad in all religious dogma. Um, and that's just because there's people involved. Like People use religion as a means to power grab, you know, as a means to get financial gains as well. You know, people, especially in America, like some churches, I guess all churches don't pay taxes, you know, so there's mega churches and and mega fraud in a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot, but in some mega churches, you know, Um, there's obviously all the horrible, uh, pedophilic rings and that we've seen in catholic um religion and others not just catholic but they're you know they're the one that's shown on tv all the time and and have a reputation for that and then obviously all the all the people that have been killed in the name of jesus christ i mean it's pretty wild you know the spanish inquisition and and all that happened there and then even in america you know we if even in the land of the free, like if if you came here and you didn't believe what we believed and like you were practicing weird stuff like that we deemed as witchcraft or whatever, like we would burn you at the stake. And, uh, you know, a lot of people got killed for not believing what others believe in the name of Jesus. You know, um, there was a lot of forced religion that happened and a lot of people have died behind it. So a lot of people carry the weight of that and like have a real prejudice behind religion and behind God. Some people hate God, you know, and uh, and that's okay to feel those things. You know, what's not okay is closing off your mind and closing off your spirit. Um, You have to open your heart. You have to open your mind and you have to seek God. We who have traveled a dubious path beg you to lay aside prejudice, even against organized religion. We have learned that whatever the human frailties of various faiths may be, those faiths have given purpose and direction to millions. People of faith have a logical idea of what life is all about. Actually, we used to have no reasonable conception whatever. We used to amuse ourselves by cynically dissecting spiritual beliefs and practices when we might have observed 
that many spiritually minded persons of all races, colors, and creeds were demonstrating a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness which we have sought ourselves. And I think that's an important piece is like, it doesn't matter how prejudiced you are. Like you, if you're honest and you take an honest look at, at religion and the good that it's doing, like it's, you'd be lying to say that it's all bad, right? You'd be lying to say that it doesn't have a positive effect on families, on communities, that it doesn't obviously have a positive effect on people, um, the degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness, which we've sought ourselves. Like we see people, you know, that celebrate with religious fervor and like have their stuff together and, and are living meaningful lives, you know? And I saw that personally. And, you know, even today, like I look, you know, before coming to Christ and like looking at, christians and like there's a lot of people that i respect like great intellects um, great people family men successful in business like have their stuff together in all other regards as far as the way that i'm looking at them and, and perceiving and judging them and they're like devout christians well who am I to say that these people are wrong? You know, like the, we will know them by our fruits, right? Like that's in the Bible. Like people that, you know, are devout Christians and are really walking that road and, and are on the narrow path, like their lives are fruitful and good. And if they're not, then they're not actually on that path. They're, they have other things going on that we can't see. But the people that are really about God and about religion and are devout and are really walking that road and, and are doing the things that they're talking about, like it's obvious to me, you know? And it's obvious that religion and God and Christ have like played major parts in their lives to creating them to be the people that they are. And I, like my best thinking got me in jail, you know, like who am I to judge these people and like say that they're wrong, you know? So for me, looking at them was like, okay, well, what are these, what are they doing that I'm not doing? What are, you know, what do they believe? Because I respect these people. I see what they're doing. Like I praise them for the things that they're doing and have done. And I, you know, aspire to be like them. So, you know, who am I to say that they're wrong? You know, people have been practicing these religions for thousands of years and have found success, peace, happiness, and meaning in their lives. You know, so who am I to say it's wrong? Instead, we looked at the human defects of these people and sometimes used their shortcomings as a base of wholesale condemnation. We talked of intolerance while we were intolerant ourselves. We missed the reality and the beauty of the forest because we were diverted by the ugliness of some of its trees. We never gave the spiritual side of life a fair hearing. And that's, you know, 
that's true like we see one thing on the tv even i'll i'll even say this as an american christian male in 2024 now like i have been like programmed and indoctrinated to like be fearful of muslims you know like as a child of the 911 uh terrorist attacks you know and like seeing that whole thing and then you know growing up in wartime you know against you know the war on terror and uh you know even being in the military for a short stint and like seeing all this propaganda and like dude it was not a cool time to be a muslim in america i'll tell you that and you know there was a lot of like dark humor associated against muslims and uh you can't judge everybody by what one group does and i and i will say this that there's a lot of god-fearing muslims out there that are good people like that's blatantly obvious to me as obvious as it is that there's good and bad christians like there are good and bad muslims too all race religions creeds doesn't matter like there's all good and bad and we can't judge the whole group off of what a a small sect does don't miss the forest because of a few ugly trees Moving forward, here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power and to do certain simple things, there has been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, <clears throat> they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. Once confused and baffled they, by the seeming futility of their existence, they showed the underlying reasons why they were making heavy goings of life. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell us why living was so unsatisfactory they show the change came over them when many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of god today is the most important fact of their lives they present a powerful reason why one should have faith and that's the thing is like you come into these rooms even if you are atheist or agnostic like look around you know, look, come into these rooms and look around because there's other people like you. There's other people that came into these rooms that were atheist or agnostic. And by opening their hearts and opening their minds and being willing, they had a spiritual experience and their life changed and they became full of peace and happiness and, and got serenity and, and lived lives of meaning today. So, you know, you're not terminally unique. Like, you're not the only person that feels the way that you feel. And you're not the first person that's felt the way that you feel right now. 
and have come into these rooms and have found healing. Like there's other people like you and there's other people like you in these programs that are willing to help you through it, you know, and that's the beauty of this program. And, you know, the closed mindedness has plagued humans for a long time and having a closed mind just stunts growth. It stunts progress and, you know, just keeps you from, you know, becoming what you want to become and achieving what you want to achieve. And, you know, in today's day and age, like, we have open minds about, like, technology and, like, the power of the human brain and now artificial intelligence. And we don't even know what's going to happen in the future, but we're open to endless possibilities like we've been to the moon this was written before they even went to the moon you know um so they couldn't even fathom what a what a cell phone is right now they couldn't imagine what i'm doing right now with this setup and everything and and being able to reach millions of people you know through a phone or through a camera and like we have no idea you know what the future generations are going to be able to do but we have an open mind to the possibilities, right? And this goes in to talk about the closed-mindedness of our, of our ancestors. This world of ours has made more material progress in the last century than, all, than in all the millenniums which went before. Almost everyone knows the reason. Students of ancient history tell us that the intellect of men in those days was equal to the best of today, yet in ancient times material progress was painfully slow. The spirit of modern scientific inquiry, research, and invention was almost unknown. In the realm of the material, men's minds were fettered by superstition, tradition, and all sorts of fixed ideas. Some of the contemporaries of Columbus thought a round earth preposterous, Others came near putting Galileo to death for his astronomical heresies. We asked ourselves this, are not some of us just as biased and unreasonable about the realm of the spirit as were the ancients about the realm of the material? Even in the present century, American newspapers were afraid to print an account of the Wright brothers' first successful flight at Kitty Hawk. Had not all efforts of flight failed before? Did not Professor Langley's flying machine go to the bottom of the Potomac River? Was it not true that the best mathematical minds had proved man could never fly? Had not people said God had reserved this privilege to the birds? Only 30 years later, the conquest of the air was almost an old story and airplane travel was in full swing. And then it goes on to talk about spirit here. When we saw others solve their problems by a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe, we had to stop doubting the power of God. Our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. And that's the truth. It's like our ideas got us into the pits of hell, you know, and we look around and if you believe 
that a power greater than yourself can restore you to sanity by seeing other people in these rooms that have been restored to sanity. God did that, you know, like the God idea works. God works in our lives. God has the power to change us. God has the power to heal us, restore us to sanity, you know, pull us from the depths of hell and tragedy from, you know, trauma to triumph, you know, from that just miserable despair to peace, you know, to serenity, happiness, real happiness, like not a fake smile, but just that inner serenity and peace, man, that that is just undeniable. Only God can do that for us. When we became alcoholics, crushed by a self-imposed crisis, we could not postpone or evade. We had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? That's it. He either is or he isn't. You know, we have to come to terms and like make that decision, you know. And I'll say for myself, when I decided that he is, my life changed for the better. You know, when I decided that he is everything and and when I made the decision to turn my will and my life over to him and like really try to live in his will and align my will with his will, my life has been incredibly blessed ever since. Like, just night and day difference, you know, from the way that I feel inside to, you know, the monetary gains and like physical things that I have, you know, to my relationships, just everything, the inner peace first and foremost. And like, I just feel like I'm in the flow of life, you know, things happen easy for me. And when they don't, happen seemingly for me or or like in my favor like I have the faith that it's all in God's favor anyways and like I don't need everything to work out how I think it should work out because it's it's working out in God's favor all things in the end work for good and for the glory of God and that's how I feel today and you know through having that childlike faith in God and in Christ and and like really living it, really living in that faith and practicing it and like trying to, you know, live with morals and principles that I've learned in my spiritual life. The blessings have just been poured upon me, you know, to the point where I try to pour them onto others, right? My cup runs over into my community and and my friends. And I just try to lift others up. Like it's unexplainable, you know, but I, I hope, I hope you can feel it, you know, but it all starts with that willingness. And and another part of this that it goes into is like we we all worship, you know, we all 
serve something, you know, whether you're worshiping your partner or worshiping money, sex, uh, whatever it is, like we all serve something, capitalism, um, whatever it is, you know, like how you look, you know, your style, like music, whatever it is, we all worship things. So, you know, what are you worshiping, right? Like, what are you serving in your life? We found, too, that we had been worshipers. What a state of mental goose flesh that used to bring on. Had we not variously worshipped people, sentiment, things, money, ourselves, and then with a better motive, had we not worshipfully beheld the sunset, the sea, or a flower, who of us had not loved something or somebody? How much did these feelings, these loves, these worships have to do with pure reason? Little or nothing, we saw at last. Were not these things the tissue out of which our lives were constructed? Did not these feelings, after all, determine the course of our existence? It was impossible to say we had no capacity for faith or love or worship. In one form or another, we had been living by faith and little else. Imagine life without faith. Were nothing left but pure reason, it wouldn't be life. But we believed in life. Of course we did. We could not prove life in the sense that you can prove a straight line is the shortest distance between two points, yet there it was. Could we still say the whole thing was nothing but a mass of electrons created out of nothing, meaning nothing, whirling on to a destiny of nothingness? Of course we couldn't. The electrons themselves seemed more intelligent than that. At least, so the chemist said. Hence, we saw that reason isn't everything. Neither is reason, as most of us use it, entirely dependable. Though it emanate from our best minds, what about people who have proved that man could never fly? Yet we have been seeing another kind of flight, a spiritual liberation from this world. People who rose above their problems. They said God made these things possible, and we only smiled. We had seen spiritual release, but it liked to tell ourselves it wasn't actually true. Actually, we were fooling ourselves, for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other it is there. For faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. We finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup, just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. Sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. He was as much a fact as we were. We found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it is only there that he may be found. It was so with us. We can only clear the ground a bit. If our testimony helps sweep away prejudice, enables you to think honestly, encourages you to search diligently within yourself, then, if you wish, you can join us on the broad highway. With this attitude, you cannot fail. The consciousness of your belief is sure to come to you. In this book, you will read the experience of a man who thought he was an atheist. His story 
So interesting that some of it should be told now. His change of heart was dramatic, convincing, and moving. And it goes on to to tell his story. Um, or basically, he was an atheist and, and got sick and uh, was an alcoholic and and uh, was cursing God. And then God showed up for him in a church or in a in a hospital and came to him and, and obviously completely changed his life. And, uh, and he found healing in the, in the presence of God. And that happens for some people, you know, some people there's like the angel in the room, you know, the whole room lights up and like, it's quite apparent that, uh, something otherworldly is happening. Like God is speaking to you or angels or, whatever it is, near-death experiences, things like that. Um, that uh, hasn't been the case for me, but it happens for a lot of people. I don't, I don't know about a lot, but it happens to people. Um, you know, kind of like the road to Damascus in the Bible where, you know, the angel shows up to him and, uh, and God says, you know, look, you know, look at me. <laughs> and he gets blinded, right? And And he comes to believe, you know, when he has that, vision and when he has God reveal himself to him whereas for me it's been a slow burn you know like it's been a slow seeking it's been you know uh, and a spiritual progress and experience and you know it all it all started with just like admitting that I don't know like admitting that I don't have the answers and my best thinking has only gotten me into trouble. And so I saw people in these rooms get and stay sober through having a spiritual experience and through allowing God to work in their lives and in their heart. And so I was willing to do whatever it took to get and stay sober. And I was willing to have an open mind about God. And I was willing to allow God to come into my life. You know, and the more that I have sought after God, the more I have found Him. And, uh, you know, it talks about that in, in Matthew uh, 7. It talks about, seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Like, that's all you have to do, you know. All you got to do is ask God to come into your life. Ask Him to reveal Himself, you know. Ask Him to help you to stay sober. Like, ask Him to guide you in your sobriety to show you how to live one day at a time clean and sober you know ask him to help you to make the next right decision you know like just show me how to live show me how to love you know show me how to help others show me how to heal like guide me in my recovery direct my thought direct my hand direct my speech you know like show me what to do here because i have no idea what the heck i'm doing you know, and then seek him out, like pray, pray in the morning, you know, pray right when you get up, have some prayers of gratitude, you know, I love to read the Bible, but you can read any type of spiritual literature that you're into, like expand your mind, expand your heart, uh, I, I used to listen to a lot of uh, YouTube videos about philosophies on theology, like, uh, you know, guys like Ram Dass and Alan Watts and um, uh, some, some other, uh, guys from, 
India, like yogis and stuff like that, uh, Paramahamsa Yogananda and like, you know, all these, like I was just seeking, I'm seeking all the time, you know, like I just want to know more. I want to know God. And like the more I, I have sought God, the more I have found him and the more my heart is expanded. And, you know, the more, like I said, I seek after Christ, like the more I find him and feel him in my life. And the more I follow him, the better my life gets, you know, and it started with recovery. Like when I sought fervently for God in my life in recovery and put him as the foundation of my recovery, like my life has just gotten so much better. It got better immediately and it continues to get better. And when it's not going the way I want it to, I hit my knees and I pray for acceptance and I pray for direction and I, you know, just work through the things I have to work through. And when life gets hard, like I fall back on this faith. I fall back on the foundation of my sobriety and of my recovery. And, you know, I'm able to stay sober because I've learned the tools on how to deal with life on life's terms through these programs. And I've learned how to deal with life through my spiritual foundation, you know? So if you're agnostic, that's a good place to start. You know, um, if you're atheist, try to get to the point of agnosticism, like try to just open your mind and cast away your prejudice and, and cast away any preconceived ideas about what God is or, or what he can do for you or what he has done in life or what he's doing in the world and try to give yourself a blank space and, and give God an opportunity to, to reveal the truth. You know, the truth will set you free and the truth is in the Bible. The truth is, you know, in the word of God. And, and if you seek the truth, you will find the truth and the truth will set you free. Thank you. Victorious we became, but never forgot where we came from. Life or death, not a game. We came to change the lane. Recovery addicts, that's the name. Give yourself a break, just one day at a time. You were born to shine, so live and let love be forever. My sister, my brother, don't give in. Please remember, the lie is dead. We do recover. Welcome home.